Joe this, Joe that. Yeah, we're <laughs> live. Joe done this week. Oh, so good. yeah, on <laughs> the heels of we were yeah. just talking about Larry, and like it was so funny because yeah, he like did like you did. He pulled the table towards him, leaned back with his Fu Manchu, and just started like. <laughs> we I don't feel we captured it, and I wish he had a Twitter account because like. It's educational. <laughs> but it's just, just us. Like, yeah. with Facebook, it's his friends reading it, and a yeah. lot of us either get him, or we've worked in, like, a lot of it are his bouncer friends that have quit, right? Because mm-hmm. we're in our 40s, right? So it's like, a lot of people like me are like, fuck, that makes me not miss it anymore. Yeah, Just see, the I... bullshit, and the drunks, and just the idiocy. Like, he just did it three nights, because we just had a long weekend, right? Uh-huh. And just to hear his stories about Sorry Princess, or the chodes. Well, or... I mean, the thing is, is with Larry, though, as well. He he's a smart guy right like he's educated he knows his stuff he's writes very eloquently as well like that's half the entertainment is all of a sudden you're seeing this bouncer go in and it's like bouncer poetry is what it comes down to and and it's it's not just some guy bitching about somebody being an idiot it's actually written really well it's constructed well there's yeah, the word chodes used quite often but in the end he has a non-limited vocabulary as well so it's yeah. fun to read, right? <laughs> and it's just, yeah, like, so, like, we chat and record, and he talked about a lot of his stories and stuff, but after it, I was just, like, because you remember, who was that guy who was, like, shit my dad says? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, because yeah, he did a Twitter account. That's how it all started out. And right, and it was just, like, and, else, yeah. and I, like, now that they up Twitter, I think it went from 120 to 240 characters, okay. I feel he could be plopping bang, these bang, things bang, on right? there and yeah. getting, like, a following. Yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking. Well, and it's also the thing with bouncing or that kind of idea is that there are so many people out there that do that yeah. type of stuff for a living or at least is, have been the servers or have been that anyone that's bar or restaurant yeah, yeah absolutely right and I don't know why but I'm sitting there trying to convince him how to monetize himself <laughs> and it's just like no really I think yeah. you're sitting on a gold mine here yeah, I just need 5% that's all <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess I never threw it at him that exactly. way but yeah like he likes the Facebook medium I don't know why because I think I guess it's just friends that it's see there. it then. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like you said, he puts it really well that it's not just like, fuck this dumb drunk guy. Yeah. It's like well laid out and well written. And I think that's why I like, like you said, I look forward to Friday and Saturday night where I'm like 930 ready for bed. But I'm like, oh, let's, okay, let's see what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't been in the bar for 20 years, but let's see what's going on. So I'm almost yeah. tempted to like go out one night well. and just sit with him and chat and just watch the shit that goes on like uh, yeah i need to i i know i kind of offered one day i gotta i gotta go over there one day and fulfill my offer of uh hopping over to mcdonald's picking up 20 uh <laughs> egg mcmuffins and then bringing them over and dropping them off for the entertainment because it certainly has been educational so it's hilarious and yeah like it's <laughs> yeah he i really want him to monetize it. I don't know why I'm hooked on that um, and even it's just been nice like it's funny how I started doing this and then it's like the Luther people have come back into the loop and I've reconnected with them like you and I reconnected through role playing and I thought that would be a great way for us to kind of like reintroduce ourselves to yeah, each other yeah. but it was like Larry I still see because he does the role playing thing yeah. with a bunch of us like that Indian head crew is like yeah. inseparable yeah and so they still get together once or twice a week. And then it was nice because, like, Aikman, I don't think I'd talked to him since um, him and Dave were in film school. Oh, yeah. That's and it was just been a long time, yeah. And it was neat because, like, 
Uh, how old are your girls? Uh, I got 15 and one's 13. So I got so, two teeny boppers. Yeah. So you're a little bit ahead. Like um, Trevor's son, I think Xander are both 10. So like yeah. we started putting our kids in the same like summer camps, right? Because okay, it's okay, not okay. like... So you cross pass that way kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Like we're not going to... Well, his kid might do a little more physical activity, but like my son is like absolutely like no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we both enrolled our sons in this like how to draw comic books and like oh, okay. make okay. the panels kind of camp and I ran yeah. into him there and I would see him every once in a while and so I was like hey come out have a chat and it like it was awesome it went super smooth and it was great to catch out with him yeah. and um well I mean even a lot of the like you said about gain kind of thing I mean him writing his he's up to book three now where he's self-published him and his stepsister and oh, really? my yeah, and my daughter's reading them because her teacher is one of the co-writers with Dave. So like we bought the book, new book came out a couple of weeks ago, and my daughter like plowed through it in about three or four, oh well, maybe a week kind of thing. Um, but the only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is that some of the settings and places and stuff like that are all in Regina. So all of a sudden, you were this, saying that, yeah, yeah. There's like a serial killer kind of going around as a kid <laughs> and killing. I mean, I've, I'm, I don't know. I feel horrible because I can barely read a whole book, and he's read, he's written three in the last while. <laughs> um, but I'm a little concerned because he's talking about all these places in Regina where people are getting murdered. And then eventually he's asking me what my little car is so he can put the little car into the book. I'm like, I'm slowly getting circled as far as I might be killed one day. And I think Dave's maybe number one on the suspect list today. So we'll, we'll go with that one. <laughs> so if you go missing, look for the author. Exactly. <laughs> I remember you saying that he was using like specific locations and yeah, everything. But like, that's got to be part of the appeal then for kids like... Well, as somebody from... Well, my daughter for sure, because like she said, like the... the um, the kids kind of investigating what the murder is going on are kids in high school. And then he's describing, and I mean, you write what you know, right? Yeah. He and um, his co-writer are writing the school that Holly's going to. So they're describing pieces of certain schools and that's what that school looks like. Now it's not that school in the book because they're trying not to get it all intermingled. I'm pretty sure. But then they're talking about, okay, well, this kid's driving down Broad Street or this kid's going over to, yeah, the to old, an old Louvain campus Drive of the university and, yeah. kind of thing, right? Like you see the similarities between Regina and what's inside of those books and it's just gives it that little extra oomph of what makes you interested in it. Now, I can't speak too greatly of it because I've only read about half the first one, but when I got into it, I got into it really well and then life kind of happened again and doing other stuff, but I want to get back into that book because it was interesting. When did he shift gears into writing? Uh, I don't know. He's been doing... Well, I mean, realistically, he's always been a writer. I That's guess. That's always been what school, he's yeah. always wanted to get into, right? And even when... I mean, way back 20 years ago when I lived with him, he was... That's what he was doing was he was writing. It's just film seemed to at least be the point to kind of push him in. Um, but him writing stuff has always kind of been what he's interested in and I think he's always said that he's had people tell him he's always been a decent story writer so I don't know away he goes and he writes away and there's a bit of a process and it's been interesting to kind of learn from him of what he does for his steps and I'm trying to remember there's a waro or something like that like a a little acronym that he uses to figure out when you're writing something how to do well here's how it begins here's the middle part and here's what the kind of reaction is to all those pieces that happened before oh like the formula like kind of like with movies where it's introduced the 
the main person and then yeah. the antagonist. Same kind of thing. I'm, I mean, if you ever listen to this, I'm going to get in shit because I can't remember the <laughs> what the acronym actually is, but I should go and take a look at it again so I get it in my head a little better. But, I mean, even I've taken a look at it even when you're doing stuff even at home sometimes. It's like, what's your, you're doing this, what's going to be the outcome of it when you're all said and done? That's super cool. I wonder if you'll ever get um, into work. Because I know like one of the stories Xander just did at school um, was like you said, it was based out of like Moose Jaw. And so it'd be like this and this. It would name Moose Jaw and then it would say, oh, this person grew up in Regina. And so I'm hoping schools kind of grab like local authors to kind of get the kids to read it because then that'll kind of get the market too. Yeah, well, and it has that local spin on it, too. Like, you have that, some days it feels hokey of Saskatchewan writers writing stuff, but on the other hand, it is also makes you interested in reading it, because if that's where you grew up or are putzing around on a daily basis, well, there's your buy-in, right? Yeah, and I think it kind of became more relevant. Like, my friend Jason, who I did the first podcast with, he got kind of famous off those you know if you're from Saskatchewan mm-hmm. books and oh, he yeah, yeah. did the okay. illustrations for it right yeah, and then yeah. he did like a Saskatchewan coloring book where he would draw, draw like just things that only we would like oh that's like yeah. over here well, like, and you'd, you'd think even with something like that of we're in Saskatchewan you know you'd have a pretty I don't know wide spanning audience whenever you look at something like Ryderville kind of thing right like you you go into Edmonton Calgary Hamilton any place where the CFL is and it's Ryderville, right? It's so you know you're going to end up being able to sell a little bit of Saskatchewanite stuff if you're going into different areas mainly because of that. I don't know if the thought process is there, but... Yeah, marketing off of people leaving. Yeah. I think we're a leaving province again. Yes, we're, yeah. We might be there. <laughs> Probably down six again, so... Um, <laughs> the one thing I wanted to ask you about and I keep forgetting and I'm glad you brought it up was your car. Mm-hmm. When did you get that and what is it? Because I've... So I got a 1964 Austin Healey Sprite. Um, I got it off my uncle probably, oh, I got to think how long ago it's been, seven, eight years I've had the little car. Um, I drove it, I drove it on his lap when I was five. So when he was interested, uh, my grandma passed away and we were standing there chatting a little bit and he's like, I'm thinking of selling the car, are you interested in it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so then about three, four months later, I finally kind of phoned him up and said, like, are you still interested? Are you still doing whatever? And yeah, so I went out there for his one of his birthdays kind of thing and picked it up and drove it back from Calgary to here. Holy. Um, the fun part about the drive back from Calgary was um, we, I instead of driving through, because he lived in Cochrane, um, instead of driving through Calgary, I went around Calgary. So there's Highway 2, I guess, where you can kind of hit the south end of Calgary and kind of avoids a lot of the traffic. I didn't want to end up hitting 16 because, I mean, it's a stick shift, a 50-year-old 50, 50 car. I'm just not used to it, right? So I probably got about, I don't know, 10, 15 miles out of Calgary and the roof ripped off. <laughs> yeah. So I drove back from Calgary with no roof on, trying to race the rain because it was raining kind of in behind me as we're driving up. So you didn't like, did you have to jump out and grab the roof pieces? Yeah, I grabbed out and I grabbed the roof piece. I threw it in the car and it was this canvas roof kind of thing, right? So that's why it ripped in two was what was happening was I was on like basically a two lane traffic and these big semis were trucking by. Oh, so. And there's a like a 30 35 kilometer hour crosswind and as every time i went by a truck i could feel myself getting sucked back 
So eventually just sucked the roof off with it while it kind of went. Um, so we were driving back and I don't know, they, I got a, most people at work got a good laugh out of me cause I was half my face was bright red, like a Coke can between the one wind burn and the sunburn. Cause I was too stupid to put sunscreen lotion on. I had a hat on and it was all kind of tucked into it. But the only thing I'd have to say is for a, well, I could only top out about 60 miles an hour in that thing. So it was a 10 hour car ride. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, that's probably the most comfortable seats that I've ever ridden in, though, because driving back in 10 hours, I came out of it and I'm like, yeah, I feel pretty good. Back's not too bad. I don't know if it was just the fear of every truck going by me because the car is only four feet wide, 10 feet long and about three feet high. Well, it's tiny. And like, yeah, whenever I see your pictures of it, it's always like, that's a super cool car. It's just I didn't know where it came from. I totally lucked out on my uncle saying, are you interested in it? And I said, yeah. Um, and then in the last little while, um, I moved into uh, my place and I got a garage and we were finishing the garage and I had the car parked sideways and si- down the alley in the back while the backyard neighbor decided to bang into my door. Oh, fuck. So right now it's sitting in the shop. Um, I'm getting SGIs paying for part of it and I'm paying for the other part of basically getting the whole thing painted front to back. So, so it'll look pretty spiffy i don't know i i didn't really notice until i was kind of standing in there and i look at it it looks like it's a couple colors but the guy that's doing it um he said it's five different colors of white but i mean white's white so once you put eggshell on satin on something else it probably like all you looks mean the it's same. been like repainted it's been repainted a couple times Holy that crap. it's had five it has five different colors of white on it he said i'm like okay whatever i didn't notice like you get the sun a different way, you get a light a different way, you get dirt on it a different way. It's all going to look a little bit different, but. Were you a car person at all before that? Uh, I've never really taken anything apart and put it together again. So I'm slowly learning. And over the last years, I mean, even with a regular car that I drive, I mean, I figured out how to do oil changes and brakes and how to pull this apart and that apart and kind of put it together. And most of it is right now I've locked out because I've either come across somebody that knows British cars really well. Like when I lived out in Grand Coulee, there was a guy out there and he had a lot of older cars, worked in the military, and he would help me out with stuff. And um, in the last little while as well, I found a, there's a British car club in town too. Oh, cool. So they have they had a thing uh, where they tuned up my car and they were going to appraise it. And it was most of it was for charity, kind of what you're giving them money for. And so drove out to... Um, uh, out to Emerald Park, uh, not last, not this Saturday, but the Saturday before, and the guy just kind of did a quick little tune-up on it, and away we go. So, but it it's been a fun shape, car. Then? It's not in bad shape. It's had, I mean, most of the stuff that I've had issues with have been bodywork kind of stuff. Okay. So with what this guy is doing there, and I was quite surprised because I mean that was part of the reason why I talked to the guys in the British Car Club was who do you suggest for bodywork. Because I have an SGI claim, so I want to go to somebody that's going to do a decent job. No matter who I kind of go to, in theory, the price is probably going to be about the same anyways. Yeah. But I want someone that can knows what's going on. So I talked to the guy a little bit, and I'm trying to remember. Oh, he said he's, he's from Britain. He's third generation, worked on Rolls Royces. His son is working for him right now he said this is his retirement i kind of jokingly said like this doesn't really seem like a retirement for you because you're working but whatever (laughs) that's your choice and i mean he seems to have fun doing it but even talking to him as well like um 
they've said like he's redone a hood just from tin, just from aluminum, taken it, bent it, put it onto a car. Way we gonna go paint it, make it all match. So I don't know. From what I hear, he does good does good work. That's so, his passion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He seems to know what he's doing with it, and if he knows how to work with tin, away he goes. And yeah, he's gonna chop out some pieces and put some pieces in and do whatever else, but. It'll be nice to have a mostly almost a brand new looking car that's going to be fifty four years old. Wow! Yeah, is insurance high or low when it's something that's well? Is it considered a collectible now? It is a. It, it's an Vintage antique. Or what's is what I have. It's antique, an antique. Yeah. Is what you insure it as. So the trick with that one that I caught was um, SGI. I have it insured as an antique, but I also have extra insurance on it as well. Okay. So it's like going in and you go and get life insurance and say, well, we're going to like with work and say, well, we're going to do whatever your wage is. And times if you want to, yeah, if you want to yeah. times two times three, but then if you want to drop an extra buck or an extra two, we'll throw another 10,000 or $20,000 okay. of insurance on there. So I had another $8,000 of insurance on the car. So originally they wrote it off because the amount of work needed to get done on it with antique plates from what I understand it's only $800 of coverage holy which is nothing right on a car yeah $800 nowadays is nothing when it comes to getting something fixed but I had gone off and thankfully the SGI guy uh, when I got the car insured said well maybe you want to look at putting extra insurance on it and I went "Eh, how about 8,000 bucks so I threw that on there well the amount of repairs I think they do some sort of a weird calculation I don't know it's 60% or whatever you're insuring it as and then they'll fix it so I was well underneath that. So I looked at it and went, well, I'm getting about a quarter of the car painted. So I'll just pay for the other three quarters of the paint and make it match go. for so, once. <laughs> exactly. Make it match, make it all new. What do you think it would cost for that guy? Just if you weren't a claim, what would it cost you to get that car completely fixed up? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say at least 10 grand, but there's a lot of stuff that I, other stuff that I want to do to it other than just painting <laughs> the outside of it. Right. Um, but I mean, it's been interesting. It's been fun. And even not even car ways, but looking at other stupid little do it yourself hobbies that people do. Um, it has no radio in it, right? Cause it's 50 years old, I guess. So what I've done is you look around and there's people that have those old luggages that are like from the sixties that are hard case, yeah, or the hard, hard case. whatever. Yeah. So I went, and I bought a couple speakers from Costco for 60 bucks that are Bluetooth, wireless, rechargeable. Nice. Cut a couple holes into the luggage container, put them into there. They twin up together. I can use the rest of the luggage to put coats and water and whatever the heck else I kind of want to bring along with. And away I go for the night. So Is it just a little two-seater? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if there was like... You no. know how a lot of those smaller cars have like back seats, but they're just like <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's a slight little bench that's kind of in the back. I okay. have I have had four people in it. That was when my daughters were let's see six and nine, so, so they were small. Fifty pound and, people, yeah, yeah. yeah, they would fit well into overhead storage containers. And but now, yeah, I can put them kind of beside me. Or usually, if we go out for a trek right now around Regina. One of us will hop in and we'll putz around a little bit and then go back and I'll pick the other one up. And <laughs> the only thing that's getting a little more concerning is my older daughter, now that she's 15, has her driver's or has her learner's license anyways. So it was nice. We went up to Edmonton last weekend. So it was nice to have somebody to kind of half drive there and half drive back. But she is eyeballing the Healy to drive it a little bit. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a stick. 
So and it's fifty years old, so it's it's got a lot of little it's kinks to try and figure it out, and right? Yeah, yeah. Just to know how to how to shift and do whatever else. And then the other thing that concerns me too is I remember my uncle saying, um, he had stepdaughters, and his stepdaughter took the car a couple of times to school when she was in high school, uh, like 10, 15 years ago. Well, I think he said one day the football team decided to pick the car up and put it on the stairs. That's probably feasible. Yes. It's a 2,000 pound car. Yeah. You have eight guys go around it. I mean, the one stupid thing I remember I did was when I lived out in Cooley, I drove, they had a parade once. So I drove around on the parade and the thing, it was like 30, 32 degrees out. It overheated. So it just kind of, the oil wasn't keeping the pressure and it just putzed out. Well, here I am kind of sitting in the car and I got my eight year old and 10 year old pushing the car. <laughs> it's fine it's fine it's child labor it's all good <laughs> earning dinner <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i mean that's all it takes is it doesn't take much to push that little thing around so i guess you yeah, have an eight-year-old can push you down the yeah <laughs> <laughs> then a football team's perfectly fine they will lift it up and carry it wherever they want to so is there a sizable like british car club here I was quite surprised. I went out there. I don't to see that thing. like I don't know if I just don't have my eyes open when I'm driving around or Well the kind with the Austin Healy, it's related to what's known as like an MGB. There's a lot of MGBs around that I've seen. So when I went there on Saturday morning, I was there at ten o'clock. I left about one o'clock. The guy's house I was at, he had an MG. There was two other MGs there before I got there. And then I think there was two or maybe three more that pulled up before I left. So there was five MGs that I saw in a matter of two hours. Now, by all means, it's like having a comic book convention and seeing somebody dressed yeah. up as Chewbacca. I mean, it's going to happen. But <laughs> that's the thing. is there, there are a fair bit out there, but it's like anything else. I mean, you all of a sudden own a white car or a white Prius well all of a sudden you notice all the white Priuses because that's the car that you notice right? yeah so there, there's some out here here and there and I mean the more the, the more expensive ones I would say are like the Jaguars like your James Bond kind of 1960s yeah. cars and same kind of idea a lot of those guys again they're a British car so you have your little Austin minis you have your Jags you have your MGBs your Austins like all those kind of 60s cars I would say I see more uh, there's a I guess one of the cars that was there was a Triumph, not an MG. I guess I was wrong on that. And I don't know, like there's a lots of different types that are there anyway. So well, I remember when Austin Powers. Oh God, how many years ago are those movies now? Like years, yeah. The Mini became a huge thing because yeah. he had that. Well, he had the Shagwar was what it was. That was a Jaguar that he drove. I think in the second one. He had the Shagwar, but didn't he have the, the Mini in the one too? Oh, yeah, because he, he went had back the, in time in the Mini in the third movie, yeah, right? Yeah, because there so. was the Great Britain flag Mini I thought he was ripping yeah. around. And then I thought that's when the car kind of had a resurgence as like a really... Because then you would see them driving around, right? Well, but even now, the... Um, what was it? The Italian job. That was another right. big... That was another big push for the Mini as well because they had five or six Minis inside that one. And it was based off the Italian job that, again, was a bunch of Minis going around and stealing crap. So... Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, because yeah, they had the big intricate, like, yeah, like you said, it was three to five minis and they were all, all up and down stairs. And yeah, yeah. I always thought the cars weren't that durable, but I... It's Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like two steps and yeah. clunk. Yeah, there was more than one General Lee in the entire series of the Dukes of Hazard. so... So do you have to be super picky about who you do take it to then? Or do you only, like, just your hands only? I... I try and be somewhat picky. I think it's more been... I try and lock out on finding the right person that wants to work on it too. 
Um, like that guy that was out there, he had come down from Saskatoon and I mean, he popped the hood on it on, on my car and he's looking at it and he's like, well, those wires are different. Well, these wires are two inches long. Those aren't the right wires that are in here. I'm like, how do you know that? Like going in my head (laughs) and he like pulled something else off to kind of do a little tune up here and there. And he's like, well, these screws, these two screws are right, but that screws wrong. Like he knew the screws or which one. And I mean, yeah, you pull it out, you can see the difference. The, yeah. the right screws are like a half inch long and the wrong screws are an inch and a quarter long. But they're still are threaded close enough that it held everything together. But until you get a guy like that underneath the hood, you don't know. And I mean, really, I mean, my uncle is great that he did what he did with the car and kept it running kind of thing. But it's not like it is now where you had the internet and you, like I have... There's a guy out in Kelowna I can get parts from. But all he does is he ends up ordering from Moss Motors, which is in the States. There's a Victoria Motors that's in the States. So there's two places in the States that I can order basically 70, 80% of the car. Hmm. So I can get pieces for it, mainly because it's also same kind of pieces as an MG that are, there's a lot more of those around. Um, but I mean, yeah, you want to have kind of the right pieces in it. But he, my uncle, I mean, he farmer fixed a lot of it. And he had that car throughout the 70s and the 80s and the 90s where the internet wasn't quite as prevalent and maybe there weren't as many kind of groups out there that would kind of help out. And I don't know, that was, I'm the third owner of the car. The first owner of the car was, I guess, the guy owned the Coca-Cola shop in Esteban. Jeez. <laughs> So I don't know a lot of 54-year-old cars that you can say there's been three owners on. Oh, God. Or that it's still running. <laughs> and, that right? it's, like, and that it's still running, right? Like things was, now, I feel, aren't even built to last, no, right? No, And even like, because I'm looking for a new vehicle, even when you look, it's like, as you go back like five years, the it's just the old, like, once you drive it off the lot, it's worth like yeah, yeah. one it third or whatever. a huge amount of money. Yeah, yeah and it falls apart <laughs> and you got to sink money into it. So like, I don't know if yours is from... I would assume it's from a generation where things were built more to last, probably. Yes. Yeah, and that's that was what a lot of the guys said too. At least the main the main guy that was doing the tune ups as well. He's like, if you tune this up, if you tune up um, your carburetors kind of the right way, you don't have to worry about them again for just about the life of the car because yeah. they're just set and that's where they sit and that's how they work. And once you maybe change something else on it, well then yeah, that's going to bugger things up, but. If everything is properly tightened and in the right little pieces and properly lubricated and whatever else, that thing's going to last. And that's, I mean, to me, that was a bit of the interest of getting into that car as well, is that everyone says it's a lot simpler of a vehicle to take apart and put together than anything else is. So again, I just, I look on YouTube and I read whatever I can on the internet and take pictures to pick it apart and put it back together again. And it's been interesting. It's been learned. It's a whole heck of a lot of learning so yeah i just because <laughs> i was wondering because i don't think it, like mechanic stuff ever came up in our conversation no. so then when that came up it was like you said like a classic antique car and i was just like i don't remember him ever talking about that and i was yeah. just like i know as a kid like i was i'd be playing video games or whatever and my dad was a hardcore car guy car guy right like mm-hmm. knew everything inside out yeah and um, i remember one day he like drags me off the computer into his shop and there's, I think it's like the lawnmower engine uh-huh. sitting up there. And he's like, okay, this is this. This turns this. This fires this. And after like five minutes, he looks at me and I'm probably like watching the paint dry on the wall or something. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then he's just like, 
you could like you could probably pinpoint the moment his heart broke that you're like yeah. I had zero interest that he did right yeah. and so he kind of looked at me and he's like just go back and yeah. play your video yeah games. but it's again it's a generational thing right like it's the when the video came out and the TV came out it was a whole lot easier to get entertained that way than it was going out and pulling a car apart and putting it back together again right well I do wish I and, listened oh yeah yeah I know <laughs> and that's why I like doing what I do with playing with that is it is nice to know okay well here's how I can redo like I did the brakes in my car that I have I got a 2013 Hyundai Elantra I need to do the brakes in it so instead of dropping a couple hundred bucks in the shop I can go get the pads I can take it apart I mean sometimes I have issues so I try and at least be smart and go okay this is beyond what I can do right now or I don't have the right tools to take care of it but again to take a look at it and go okay well I know I have more than enough brake pad left that I can last three four more months and maybe get some help on it yeah and that was i think where did i hear like they said the whole waning of like mechanics would start taking advantage of people and that would kind of force society to start learning like well fuck this if he's gonna yeah try and rip me off for like a hundred dollars plus this and this and say i need something then there was this giant wave of everybody that knew how to fix their cars right and then because it was just well and even back then as well it's the same boat like cars back then were simpler to fix you're not hooking a computer up to it that it was only speaks one or two languages and then you need to have that part that speaks to the computer that only speaks those one or two languages and then you need the book to actually pull the thing apart to know what you're doing and then you have to know how to fix it and nine out of ten times now, right? you didn't tighten the gas cap yeah today. exactly there's that too and sixty dollars please for us to get our computer to tell you that and i've had a I've known somebody that even, like, you go back to the lawnmower, that was the problem he had with his lawnmower. His gas cap wasn't tight enough, and he couldn't get it started. (laughs) So it doesn't matter what it is now. It's a lawnmower or a car or whatever. They're pretty finicky and pretty special. But if you kind of know somebody that can kind of help you out a little bit and you're not scared to learn, you play, right? Yeah. And that's all I've ever done with this is I play, and if I get to a point where I'm scared, well, then I start reading and looking at whatever else and get it figured so yeah know. YouTube does make a well, YouTube makes it so much easier because you can sit there and watch the video two or three times and figure out how to do it like there's been <laughs> back it up wait exactly back it up wait <laughs> yeah there's been so much stuff I've kind of learned with YouTube and Google and whatever else like even having a couple houses same thing like I go off and I'll phone dad up and ask him a couple questions and he's like okay and I'll go on to this go- just Google it and find out how to do it okay well I'll go on there and take a look okay well that's how you do the electrical and this is how you do a little bit of framing and this is how you put the jip rock up and this is how you like it's all there it's stupid scary but (laughs) and then you're concerned about what you're missing too but (laughs) I've drywalled oh shit there's something back there I need (laughs) exactly get the hammer kids time to smash the wall up yeah fluffy's behind the wall again I hear meowing. It'll go away eventually. <laughs> nice. Um, I had a good chat when Trevor was here about the YouTube thing. Are your kids into that stuff at all? Um, my younger daughter will sit for hours and watch people play video games and YouTube and whatever else. Um, I chuckle because I think of you and I back in university days and go, I can't really give her that much trouble because I think that's all I did with your room was I would go into your room, fall asleep on the bed kind of thing while you're sitting there playing XCOM or whatever the heck kind of game you're playing that week. I was just bitching about that the other day. I Because 
who yeah. was just as guilty, right? Yeah. Like, well, and that was the thing. Like, that would come out, and then like I would be playing it, and then Derek would be playing it, and then Jose Apple would be playing it. And yeah. It's like you went around this whole dormitory, and everyone's like racing to finish the game first and trying <laughs> it out, right? And like. What was it? Because, yeah, because XCOM's been rebooted because yeah. now the reboot of XCOM 2 came out. And, yeah, that totally gave me flashbacks to university, yeah. to us just sitting there and playing games. And, like, I got no degree out of this entire thing. Uh-huh. It's just, it's so funny because, yeah, it's like, and it was like a sale. It was like for $5 you can get the original XCOM. And it's like, my one friend Paul, he was also another, yeah. he was a Luther guy the year before us also, right? Yeah. I think they were the... The crap on the radiator generation. Oh, that's a, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Every year has their own. We were the snowball through the window crowd. Yeah, that might have been second year. I think first year, wasn't that the light, the somebody lighting the uh, teddy bear on fire? I don't remember that. Was that. First, that wasn't us. That was first north or south or something like that. They had like that was their frosh or their first week of school they ended up having a seance and a sacrifice a teddy bear and they set the fire alarm off or something stupid like that or the place reeked of fake plastic as opposed to there is a Ouija thing and Cam Lee won't talk about it to this day (laughs) yeah yeah I think that was it then yeah because they dragged a Ouija board into the chapel oh Oh, probably outing a lot of people that was not it No, no because I remember was it um Jay Quirk's wife. Yeah. I think it was like her. Yeah, Laura. I think it was her, Cam Lee. Yeah. And it might have been the year before us or whatever, but I remember him distinctly being like, talking about like the Ouija board and da da da. And they, because somebody had the keys to get into wherever after hours. And he's, and I'm like, and what happened? He's like, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, okay, that's cool. I kind of enjoyed the mystical stuff, right? And it's just like, interesting because he didn't strike me as the type that would bullshit he, right no, and, and I, he, he got, doesn't strike me the person as being yeah not not only just bullshit but believing in hocus pocus or religion or i don't know i never had it i don't remember having a conversation like that with him of seeing where he was standing on it but yeah i didn't see a lot of voodoo dolls with my face on him in his room either so <laughs> yeah but he wasn't the ra for you though was no he? <laughs> He was my neighbor, though, for the first year, so... Come to think of it, yeah, I've had a lot of RAs on here. (laughs) (laughs) The first non-RA, that's a good... Maybe a good sign. What was the movie where, at the end... It was the Adam Sandler movie where Steve Buscemi was the guy from high school, and he apologized to him, so he, like, crossed him off the the must-die list? Yes. So maybe that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Uh Might be it. Always give the crazy guy the chocolate artwork. Yeah. That theory. (laughs) Well, that was just... Yeah... Yeah, that was so weird because I swear it was the year before we got there. But yeah, he was just like, yeah. no. Because someone else was talking it about... Have, it might have been later, though, because they wouldn't have had keys until probably third year. Because Laura was an RA and Cam was an RA. Those are the two that I later. swear I distinctly remember either being a part of it or talking about it yeah. or something, right? Unless like, they knew whoever the RA was that year. I don't know. Whatever. I, I, I don't remember hearing that story. Hmm. There was the poop on the radiator. There was the... We were the snowball through the, the window. snowball through two panes of window, which should have killed somebody, which thankfully didn't. I just remember, because it went through third, right? It, it hit third, it went through two panes of window, and then the snowball hit the window behind them inside I thought it the hit room. the ceiling up behind. No, it hit the actual window behind, and then it splattered. It didn't I, break that window. 
Huh. I just never expected a damage deposit back. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. And that one was distinctly my fault because you were the one leaning back. No. No? Was no. it you and I holding the... You and I were holding and I think it was... Oh, I can't remember that guy's name. Darren. It Not wasn't, Darren it wasn't, Pe- it wasn't Petrovich. It was one Knox? of... It was No, it wasn't Knox. Melby? It was one of Knox's buddies. Maxie? <laughs> no, it wasn't Maxie. He'd have thrown a goat. <laughs> yeah, I just... Because, yeah, remember, it was like yeah. slushy, icy crap. And all oh, I remember... It was perfect ice was, ball. And it was one of those giant slingshot things, yes, right? And I just remember holding my arm straight up. Yes. And my last words were, you can lean back further. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know why yeah. I gave that grand advice. Like, uh-huh. oh, there's, there's some give to this. It's, uh-huh. And so that... Yeah, just straight. That, yeah, we're lucky it didn't hit somebody. Yeah, because there was people on. From what I oh, remember, they had glass in their hair. On the, yeah, there was people on the balcony when that thing went. So, <laughs> and I've never seen people scatter. We're <laughs> <laughs> all a bunch of twelve-year-olds again. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> is that still Noel? Who was the follow? I can't I remember, remember that guy's Noel. name. I don't remember the guy. All I remember is he played Echo the Dolphin on Genesis. Oh yeah, yeah. I and we were... I remember Noel, but I don't remember the other, the guy after. Oh, yeah. And then, well, I guess then there was Beaton and I who went around and made chalk outlines <laughs> on first, second, third, and fourth. We were just talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Somebody else. The Energizer Bunny on second, I think, dead. My favorite one, though, was the... I had the torso... We had the legs on second, and we had the torso <laughs> in the elevator. So as you came onto the elevator from third or fourth, there was like this top part of a body chalk outline. And then you'd go down to second, and then there'd be the legs I would actually join. <laughs> it was just flour, so it was pretty easy to Was clean it flour? I guess, yeah. I guess there would be had, like yeah. sidewalk there chalk. Wasn't a lot of, yeah, we didn't have chalk then. So. <laughs> flour. Yeah. Oh, the crap then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad Melissa's left the provinces. The person uh-huh. who probably has the absolute most amount of dirt on the two uh-huh. of us has like left the province. Yes, that's probably safer. I'm sure she'll go on and post something about it, though. I'm not sure if it's a small place. Yeah, I'm not. It's so weird with this entire thing, right? Like, I'll sit down and I'll chat. And, like, for the first one, it was because he was a notable guy, right? Mm Because Jason, who did the the illustrations and all that. Like, he was a notable dude. So then all of a sudden there's, like, notable people from the comic industry or from Regina. Yeah, yeah. People I know through all the comic stores, I was getting listens for it, but that was kind of like my cheap introduction, right? As I yeah. made sure it was like a good friend that I that he had some substance to like. Uh-huh. Oh, this is going on. That's going on. Yeah. He's, and like I geek out because like he'll be on Facebook talking about stuff, and then some of the responses are like people where I've either read their work or bought their work, okay. like yeah. stuff like this Familiar up on the walls, yeah. right? Like he came in and sat down, and he would tell me a story about like that guy, and okay. It was just super cool, right? Yeah. To get like that feedback. And then it's weird because then the stats are like people from Regina, people from Regina, one from Melville. So my mom or my sister probably listened. Yeah. And then it's weird because like, as I learned to do this, um, I learned, it's funny. I, like I'll run into people. And so I would only be on like SoundCloud and they're like, well, you should probably get on iTunes. So then like, I thought it would cost or whatever, but it's uh-huh. all free. Right. So oh, like, it was cool. So then I just kind of like, all you have to do is just attach it to them. And then like the second I hit upload, it shows up there. And then 
I don't even know what Stitcher is, but apparently it's like one of the mainstream podcasting sources. Okay. So I slowly learned and then another friend came up and they're like, oh, you should get on Google Play. And um, <clears throat> I don't know what some of these, if new things get featured, but then all of a sudden it's like Regina, 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 like wherever Cam is. Like yeah. you could, I could literally could tell see. my where my Facebook friends were listening to it, right? Yeah. Just because of the city, right? Like um, Scott moved to somewhere in Ontario and I think I saw where he lives now right okay, scott okay. garner yeah, yeah and i would see oh, like yeah, okay so he must have given me like you don't know how long they're listening for but at some point one of them like flip i'm assuming it's him right because i would put in my facebook feed mm-hmm. like please for the love of god listen to this so i feel like i'm accomplishing <laughs> something but then over time it's like virginia and california and like someone in london started listening to certain episodes and like i don't know if i got featured on certain pages but it's been like a really weird journey. Oh, it just kind of mushroomed I, out or sprawled out. Yeah, and it's too, like, so. well, how many people do you have on there now? Uh, you're eight. And no, then, no, 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 no. How many listeners? Listeners, uh, I'm approaching three hundred. Holy crap! Yeah, and it's like some of them I can understand because well, all I'm of a sudden stage fright. <laughs> I can talk, and that's just. I don't think that's ever been like a problem with me. And it's usually free flowing, like yeah. It, and that was the nice thing too, is like the Jason, the first guy, he had notoriety, so he's used to being interviewed, mm-hmm. and so it was awesome. Like if I ever got like that wide-eyed, like I run out of things to say, he would you make eye contact with me, thing, yeah. and he would just keep rolling with a spiel, talking about like the project he's on or what he's moving on to, and he got the kinks out for me, right? So yeah. I was used to just kind of like segueing yeah. and talking about different stuff, and then my next friend that came on. It's funny, she was a summer student at the government with me, and now she, like, does the morning stuff with CTV, oh, right? okay, okay. And so, like... So she's got the spiel down and knows yeah, where the hesitations like, are and probably can see the little twitches of, okay, this is my turn now. <laughs> now I need to talk for a little while, give that person a break, let them figure out what they're going to think about. Yeah, and, then move and it was on. neat because, yeah, she's interviewed people, right? Mm-hmm. And she even made a documentary, and so, like... She got it, and the only thing she found offsetting was that I was asking and she was answering. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Instead yeah, of the other yeah. way around, right? Yeah. But yeah, like those first two, like I purposefully picked specific people that were like media related. And even Aikman, like he came in and he like pretty much like got his chair in the right spot and sat and he like <laughs> knew what these were about and like he got in the perfect thing and he looked uh-huh. at me and he's like, I don't wear head like headphones or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's good because I only have for me, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so like it was this yeah it just worked out that it was some really perfect yeah. happenstance for the people that kind of lined up right like and even with Aikman like um, I don't know if you listened to it he told his story about like when podcasts first became a thing mm-hmm. him and a friend tried doing one right yeah. and just to hear how it's kind of evolved but still some things are the same right yeah like well I mean this is still basic radio right like there's still something that's been a format that's been used for, I mean, it's sad to say, a hundred years. Yeah. Of two people sitting down and chatting and doing whatever else. And I don't know, maybe somebody will listen, somebody won't. Yeah. Like my original goal was to get a hundred listeners and, um, crush that. Yeah. And it like didn't take very much, but then I also took the easy route out by picking like a local celebrity and then no, like, but that's just a smart way. It's not the yeah. easy way. It's a smart way. And then, yeah. And then, and it was awesome. Like even to this day, like I kind of, the person I look up to for this is Joe Rogan. Like mm-hmm. everyone, he was to most people when I talk about him, they're either saying the news radio guy yeah. or they say the fear factor guy. They yeah. don't know anything about him anymore. Right. And um, his show, I think he gets like 
one to three million watches because he evolved yeah, into yeah. video now on YouTube, yeah. right? But then he said that's barely scratches the surface about all the mediums for people just listening to him yeah. on the drive to work, right? Well, and that's, I mean, I haven't gotten into this kind of quite as much and seeing what else is out there, but it has been a nice medium in that you go off and you're going on a road trip for an hour, you download it, throw it on, listen to it for half an hour, listen to something else for a bit, go back to it again if you want to. I mean, the way technology works now, it's just that much simpler, right? Yeah, and that's just, it's become what people do to commute. And like, I don't know if part of it is because um, mainstream radio has advertising and they have their playlists. And then like, if you listen to news, it's sad. But like, I feel like the news I'm getting from podcasts is more more honest than like Fox News and CNN News. There's not that twitch of... When I think of that I think of it kind of a, on a plus minus like anything else they you have somebody that's sitting and talking and again it's their their opinion kind of thing so they maybe don't have maybe as many resources as say a Fox News can to find out what all the information is but on the other hand you also know somebody's hands on their pocket too yeah they know they know where the they know there's no check coming in unless I sit down and BS with somebody else for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour whatever it takes and have an opinion on something and do a little bit of homework on it. Whereas with Fox News, you say it the wrong way or Twitch the wrong way. Well, then you're pulled, you're yanked, and you're done. So Yeah, and it's just, I feel that podcasters are more earnest in their delivery. Like, they're not hiding it. So they're like, this is me. This is my beliefs. This is the direction I'm going to yeah. go. Here's who I'm going to talk to. And yeah, it's just it's But there's awesome. no censorship with it. That's, That's the thing. Yeah, I know somebody Rogan. wants to sit down and talk about how they want to make love to dead Elvis. Nobody really cares. Like nobody's going to come in and say that's crossing a line. Yeah. Like I, I was thinking about um, getting a Chuck Huddle in my head for whatever stupid reason, having the thought of like that old show, um, whose line is it anyway? Yeah. And I remember one episode where they're getting whatever ideas from the audience, and they're like, "Well, we want a TV show. Who are we going to put together?" Oh, let's put together, uh, throw out a name, Bill Cosby. Okay, they throw out a name, Bill Cosby. Well, I mean, this is pre-slipping <laughs> stuff into people's drinks, so Bill Cosby is still the sweater-wearing happy guy, right? He's Heathcliff Huxtable. Exactly. Yeah, that's... that's who he was back then. And who do you want to put him with? Hitler. <laughs> so they're trying to start this comedy off with Heathcliff Huxtable and Hitler. And the censor comes up, and he's like, you can't do that. We don't want you doing something with Hitler and Bill Cosby. And now I kind of go in my head too. I laugh because there's that stupid meme that's out of, here's the picture of Ice Cube and the picture of Bill Cosby. And who is your dollars to donuts gas on the 80s who is going to be in jail in 2010? Ice Cube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he didn't he's know now he'd... doing family comedies. Like, Well, how many so... sequels has he made for the road trip? What is well, yeah, called? yeah, whatever they are, yeah. Well, that's I the thing. Like... Them, but, I mean, people kind of slightly twinge and go left and right and whatever else and eventually find a middle of what the happy their their part is in life but getting into this it's where is the censorship starting and ending when when you have something like this of the internet and you just throw crap out there the only person that's going to end up censoring you is you yep and that is some of what i think of even when i came in here too i know i can have someone this thing's off we can say all sorts of weird ass crap and i don't care because i know it's not going any further than this room But when this thing's on, there is that little ting in the back of my head that I'm not going to talk about every single little stupid nook and cranny in my life because I don't think I want the internet to know about it. Yeah. 
Oh, don't worry. I've ticked off the explicit lyrics. <laughs> like, I didn't have it after the first one. And it's like, oh, yeah. For years, like when I was the restaurant manager and just restaurant guy, right? Swearing went out of my shtick, right? Mm. I just stopped swearing. Yeah. And then yeah. kid comes around. So I'm like, I'll maintain the no swearing. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like lately, I've been like layer by layer reintroducing swearing to my life, right? And I'm like, if I feel like saying it that way, I want to say it that way. So I like, because it does matter. Like yeah. it will, it that the 1980s explicit lyric label, yeah. it still exists. And yeah. like the second I was like, you know what? I want to say what's considered inappropriate or swearing mm-hmm. on my podcast. And so, at least then people have the choice, right? That's yeah. the thing of, okay, you now you have now censored yourself because you've clicked that little box that's on there. And you've censored yourself to who's actually going to come in and take a look. But yeah. at least then you know you're also not going to get some hate mail going. Well, you said you weren't going to be swearing or saying yeah. inappropriate things or, good God, I love Elvis. I don't want to hear somebody having sex with my fucking corpse lover kind of thing. Yeah. And that I felt there. way more censored in that first one and a half, two before mm-hmm. I ticked the box off. Because, like, it's bad enough, like, I have a public service job, right? So I can't talk about that. And, like, it was nice for, like... In the one episode, I had to learn how to edit because we went and yeah. a couple times, like at least with Trevor, we avoided it. But like, I have friends in the film industry, right? And it's like we cannot talk about a lot of the stuff, right? Especially like the grants and all that. So like, oh yeah, okay. the second yeah, you yeah, hit yeah. that, you I need to turn to left. left. Yeah, yeah, well, that's fair. Um, yeah, and stuff like that. But yeah, like, but I think of the I, same thing too, right? Like I work in the financial industry. I don't want like I mean, a client heard this. Okay, well, they might hear a couple weird things out of my mouth, but. Other than that, they're not going to hear much more than probably what I'd say to them inside the office. So, I could probably draw a line at work for when they figured out I was a little different, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know they know I'm a little different at work, but other than that, even my mannerisms, though, like since the divorce, I think have completely changed too, right? Yeah. Like, um, I am who I am, and I think we've always been the people we are. We're yeah. we're nice people. We're outgoing. We're friendly, and that yeah. stuff like that. But then you kind of get in your comfort zone or whatever. And yeah. And all of a sudden now it's like, I used to never drop an F bomb or I would go out of my way to like find ways of saying things without swearing. It Uh was weird for the longest time. Right. Just because you're the restaurant manager, right. Or you're talking to people. You can't talk like that anymore. I got 10 years of staples. Same thing. Yeah. Right. And so like, it's weird that I'm reintroducing the whole, like the floodgates are open kind of thing. (laughs) Like I slowly open them or whatever. And I'm at this happy medium now, but yeah, like, it was weird for the first few episodes. I was like, let's just dial it back again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? In the end, fuck it. Parental advisory. Yeah. Like, maybe I'll lose some, like, listens or, like, mm-hmm. some people well, won't subscribe to too, me. Depending. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. they want wholesome or non-swearing. Like, even Sean that's in our role-playing group, he's super religious. Yeah. But he's one of the ones that he's like, he doesn't hold it against you. He doesn't turn his nose up at you. He's mm-hmm. just like, okay, cool, whatever. That's the way you are, yeah. Yeah, and it's like in my Friday night group, the one that Terry runs, like I think two of the guys are really religious. And it's like um, some of them originally would like skirt things, right, for subjects, right, just to like not offend. But mm-hmm. in the end, you realize that they are they don't care, right? Yeah. You would have like don't push it. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't force it kind of down their throat, but yeah. Yeah, it's like you don't want your character like – crapping all over their beliefs or whatever but like in general like they're playing D&D mm-hmm. they know what they're getting into yeah. like there's going to be killing there's rogues there's yeah. demons yeah. like don't realistically uh, the excuse of religion to be 
of no killings and no whatever else, I think that's bullshit anyways. Because I remember, yeah, I went to like Bible camp and I remember a couple ministers standing there and they're like, yeah, if you guys actually read what the actual first round of the Bible kind of was, it's got everything in it. You got your sex, you got your violence, you got your killing, you got anything and everything. I mean, it talks about what not to do and what not to do, but it's not some happy, wholesome little book where people are, two little bunnies are hopping down the forest and hand in hand and being happy. Like, this is some serious crap they're talking about. My favorite new one that I just got introduced to was, um, I don't know if it's old, it must be Old Testament because it's pretty harsh. Um, There's this guy and he comes through the town and all the young kids see him and make fun of him for being an unattractive man. Yeah. So he prays to God and he's like, those kids really hurt my feelings. I would like you to do something. And I don't know why it was so specific. And it was like, the next verse was like, and a female bear came down from the woods and killed all the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, A, wow. they never mentioned that one in church. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And like, just random. Yeah. Like the fact that it's like, but it's no different than, I don't know. Personally, I don't think it's any different than any mythology, right? It still has its own kind of basis of stories of somebody going through and telling the same story over and over and over again. And eventually somebody else changes it a little bit here and changes it a little bit there. And I mean, the first story might have not been a bear coming through. It might have been a lion killing one of the kids. Yeah. Right? And eventually it's, well, no, there's 20 kids picking on me and the bear comes through and eats them all. Yeah. Well, isn't Jesus the same as Horus? The Egyptian one? Oh, maybe. The sun? Uh, I don't... I can't... But I haven't the, seen that part. When you yeah. look at them, there's five or six of them that I think are all yeah. the same, like, yeah. story. Yeah. But it's... Yeah, like, it's... Don't be... Like, in the end, there's stories to kind of teach you to not be an, an asshole yeah. and take care of yeah. your neighbors it's, and, like... It's an easy way to teach a kid how to have some morals, right? Try yeah. not to be a dick to people, basically. And here's how you can be a dick to somebody. Don't do that or a bear will come through and it'll eat you. <laughs> a female bear. Yeah, a female bear, yeah. Will come down and eat yeah. you all. Paddington bear is going to come and eat you. <laughs> <laughs> well, poo judges. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I've hit the wall. <laughs> um, how's this going for you? Good? Ah, not too bad. That's a little I don't know. awkward. Yeah, yeah. And that's... It is what it is, so... And that was also like I when was, I picked out people, it was... <clears throat> tennis racket staring at me with a red light behind it. So it's not <laughs> and that was like the, the thing Terminator too. Rate, like, so I was like, how legit do I want to be with this? Right. It's like, so I went out and bought a specific laptop that was like, okay, Minecraft doesn't go on this. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Roblox doesn't go on this. Yeah. It does like, I have the bare bones browser and mm-hmm. I'm like, it doesn't get bogged down by anything. And I, like you said with your car like youtube was amazing like i i pretty much typed in youtube how do i do a podcast yeah because i just needed something to fill my time when i don't have my son right so it's like week on week off and like it got to a point like i don't know how long it took you to recover from it but it was like after like a year of wallowing then it's Uh just like i need to do something and Uh then i went through the phase of like I'm not the same person I was when I was 30, right? And moved in with this person and before a kid and all that. And like, I went through the phase of like, I got Steam and I started downloading all these games. I'm like, I used to love video games before this. And I went into it and I'd play a game for a couple hours, like the new XCOM. I maybe did the first two adventures and just, well, I like role-playing games. I'll do this and that. And it just nothing touched base with me again. So I kind of like had to like, and it took a long time. Like I had to like soul search to kind of like what, 
interests me and what do I like? And I found that I one of the things I look forward to the most was like listening to podcasts, yeah. and especially the Joe Rogan experience was a big one just because he struck me as a very middle of the road guy. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't like an agenda driven guy. And like even last week I was listening to him and someone asked him about it and he's like, and they were like, well, how do you pick people? How do you schedule? And he's like, realistically, I ask my friends to come on or people I want to learn something from. Yeah, that's fair. And Because like, you know you can have a conversation with them. You know what they're going to do. You know where their wall is going to be. This guy's wall might be three hours. That guy's wall might be 45 minutes. So, yeah. You at was, least know where it's going to sit, right? And it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm this. Yeah. I, and I get like the whole trying to figure out your bit too. And I mean, that's been a lot of, I mean, I still feel like I'm still figuring out my bit right now. It's it's been a couple of years since I've been divorced and getting it all figured out, but it, you try this, you try that. And, and it is, like you said, it's not the same as it was before. Cause I know initially at that time I was starting to get into building Lego stuff and doing, they did diorama. Again, there's a Lego group in town and they would, they have a show out in uh, Moose Jaw and a bunch of them get together like 30 of them and they build great big dioramas or whatever and they'll build like cities and towers and things that are absolutely insane for like a a Saskatchewan group kind of thing you're thinking these are some pretty big people that are going to build some sweet stuff and I mean they do they build some really cool stuff and there's some of them that are the heads of it and they've been doing it for a long time and have their head around it and same thing like that's what I was getting into before the divorce kind of happened and I was interested in it because again it's I mean one building you kind of have a, a medium that's not too hard to kind of play with on Lego that you have years of experience as a kid doing it and two it's kind of neat to do as an art form because here you can take whatever you want and build whatever you want into it so I remember I built like an aquarium kind of thing out of dolphins and I was kind of getting it a little bit involved with my daughters and I built a um like a deer head on the side of a wall that you can kind of put up with a little hunter on there, right? So like you can do whatever you want whenever you're building stuff with that. And that's what I got into. But when the divorce happened, it was like, again, I get it. Like you said, you reshuffle yourself. You re kind of figure out what you want to do. And movies kind of still are there for me. I've probably, I don't know, I got to get back into running again because at least that gets you re-centered and gets your legs going and gets your exercise kind of moving. Um, and I don't think I was a huge exercise kind of person before everything kind of went and I've ran a couple of half marathons in the last two or three years. Oh, nice. So I don't know. You just kind of rejig yourself, right? Yeah. And it's like, you, like I noticed like the car stuff when you started posting a lot of car stuff, yeah. I was like, where did that come from? Yeah. But like, I'm sure people can look at me and be like, where, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. And it's nice to see that I have kind of grown up and evolved because if I had the same kind of yeah interest yeah. as like 20 year old restaurant Paul there might mm-hmm. be warning signs yeah yeah no and I and the thing is is there are some people that are that way too where it's I would say those people that Larry are talking about at the bar are probably the people that have fallen into that now I'm 40 and still going to the bar and doing whatever in the bathroom and yeah. getting plowed and <clears throat> doing whatever else and they've been doing it for 30 years so I still, now that I'm downtown, when I go for lunch or if I go on my walks, like maybe it's not, it gets less and less frequent, but I'll make eye contact with somebody and I will distinctly remember them from when I bartended at the state. Oh, yeah. And they'll look at me and they'll do the, like the double take, right? Yeah. And they kind of like, and like go a different direction, <laughs> right? <laughs> what night were you at the bar, right? Yeah. Uh, it was Saturday. Uh-huh. 
You were an asshole to Cindy Lauper. And- <laughs> <laughs> that was the other thing with Larry's, like the longevity of that place. Yeah. Because was it it's one of the around. ones when we moved here? I want to say it's been there forever. Yeah. Because I remember the rotation, like it's Gabbles, right? Yeah. Yeah. That that's been I, there for a long time. Because even the old, what was it? Because you go down, you go to Manhattan's. There was Gabos and then Habanos, was, mm-hmm. but it was Habanos like Habanos has been there for a long time though too. I thought like our rotation had Lauderdale's, which is long gone, and it's like yeah. an escape room now. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> um, what was that. across the street from that? Bart's. But I didn't frequent but, that place. No, but that was also more of a sit bar as well, was it not? That had like the blues jams, but the yeah. it had two rooms. Like the front was. But then there was the also place. what? What's the Shoppers Drug Mart now on Ape on uh, Albert Street? Checkers. Checkers. That was I, a bigger place. Yeah, that was when we, the landmark. When we went out anyways. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Dave worked there one summer. Yeah, and I think he was like a bus boy. But oh, Checkers yeah. was huge too, and then yeah, they Checkers leveled it huge. and yeah. made that whole thing. Um, I'm trying to remember PJ's. Yeah. <laughs> Which is still a, is it still a building out east? It's still a building out east. Creekside. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a restaurant now anyways. Because that was the Friday, Saturdays. Yeah. Um, Sunday, Mondays was Bart's, but we never went to those. I don't think. No. Tequila Tuesday at I thought Lauderdale's. Thursday, I thought Thursdays was Lauderdale's. No. Lauderdale's was Tequila Tuesday. Wednesday was Checkers. Thursday was Manhattan's. Yeah, Wednesdays was Draft Night. At, and then Friday, yeah. Saturday was... The, Wherever, but we yeah. lived on campus, right? Like yeah. Having a bar right next door to the university. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wasn't it? Well, well, having a bar right in Luther for that three months. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's like... Thank you, Mr. Neal. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's like loving dad and he's like a nurse in That's Texas. So interesting. The guy, man, I'd say he's one of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life. I, know. I still think of that. Well, there's two things I think of with him. There was that one night, and I know you were around, where he was flipping out because some dude had phoned him up and said he was going to kick his ass or something oh, like that. Oh, he stayed so he up was, for like 48 he was, hours He was straight. wigging out for yeah. the whole weekend. And then the other thing was him, and I, and I always think of this, especially even now with after post-divorce, getting into other relationships with people, kids whatever else family members but i remember was it a philosophy prof or something wanted to publish one of his papers because he wrote something about how there's a thin line between love and hate i don't remember that and that's one thing that i remember him being super intellectual he was smart as hell yeah yeah he was above and beyond the rest of us like we all had our little hockey league on the genesis yes (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and yeah, he was just this like And he was in a whole other realm himself is yeah. what he was, which but still, I mean, to kinda of poke in and out of his realm and then when he ran what the ace of spades on freaking Vic for that, a while. Yeah, because he got married right away and he opened up the bar yeah. and but he was like terrified running it, I thought, because like it was a pretty It was sketchy, a sketchy bar was what it was, like but he knew sketchy is, people, so Fair enough. Was he the one that had his dad's prescription pad? Not that I know of. Someone on our floor had their dad's prescription pad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody that did. Really? Yeah. It was when... Thankfully. It was second or third year because yeah. you had moved up and you were part of it. And there was uh, somebody that was just like, I don't feel good. And go off and cash it in, right? No, nope, missed like, that one. <laughs> I totally missed that one. Probably for the best that I missed that one. Oh, man. 
And his bar, opening a bar in a dorm and room. A bar in a dorm room. That was the best setup for you and me anyways, because that was the night he's like, yeah, you're, I like you guys. You guys are pretty straight up. Here's a 40 of Jack Daniels. Have a good night. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> and I still remember, because I think it was still under Noel, and she yes. was like, I'm sorry I have to do this. Yes. But we have to kick you out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because he was such a nice guy. Well, right? and, well, one, he was a nice guy, and two, he wasn't gouging people. No. Right? He was he, just, was he was he was charging. He was very smart and business like. He charged enough so that he could drink for free. That was his theory. And everybody was fine with it. Yeah. Because most of the people didn't want to go out to the wherever and drink and do whatever else. They just wanted to hang out and chill and yeah. be with their buddies in Luther and continue the week that went into the next week. So it was the lounge atmosphere before it became cool. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember the like, so because he was in the big room when you first turned left, yeah. right? On second, he was a second north, whatever the he was, yeah, in the he super was in the quad super single, whatever it was because I was super the super single, single on the other side, yeah, third year. Um, but it was amazing because he had his sign that was on his door and it was like singles 250, doubles this, cigarettes this. And then after he got kicked out, Marcel took it and wrote a poem by Neil. <laughs> and he had it up on his door. Yeah. I still was... see him every once in a yeah. while. Yeah, I haven't seen him for a long time. And he's the last time I saw him, he was still with Sam. Oh, really? Right? Yeah. Okay. Huh. But like, he's one of those ago. dudes that like, or at least I don't see it. He hasn't aged. So when oh, I yeah. when I run into him, I know who it is. And but when he I, was older than everybody when he was. He we was were in there, our twenties, right? and he was like mid thirties, yeah. early thirties. But he was in the army, right? Oh, okay. Or something, because I remember he was in. I think it was still Pat, like physical activity studies. Uh-huh. And yeah, he was smoking an insane amount. But he would like. Yeah, he's one of those guys that I remember. High school, we had uh, two teachers. There was both really fit guys. And the one guy just bitch about the other one. He'd go, they'd both go running and the other guy would kick his ass. And then the other guy would smoke a half a pack of cigarettes after he was done too. Like, how do you keep doing this? And I remember, yeah. And that was the thing. Like, I guess he would like, they would be like, okay, it's a 5k run. And he would beat everybody and then be smoking when they showed up at the finish line. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's not my life goal. (laughs) I just want to finish the 5k run. I don't want to smoke after My, my Coca-Cola addiction is enough, so. That's a good one. How did you build up to doing marathons? Did you do the couch to 5K? Uh, Yeah, I did the couch to 5K, and then I started doing 10K. And then, well, actually, well, the first marathon was stupidity on itself because that was basically anger on wheels, post-divorce. trying. Well, that wasn't even pre-post-divorce, trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. So I had a lot of other energy to disperse. Yeah. And actually the stupid thing with that as well was I was still living out in Cooley then and they had um, the marathon is, oh, it was a Queen City Marathon and it's always the weekend after the long weekend. But that's also the weekend that they have, they have like a hoedown. So they have like a band and they play horseshoes and they do whatever else out in Grand Cooley. So I played horseshoes until one or two o'clock in the morning, drank several beer, um, lost, unfortunately, in the A-side final. Um, And that was a dumb game on itself because the people I played, the guy I played with, we were up, I think, seven or eight to one. And the other guys wanted a forfeit because it was 1.30 in the morning. And we're like, no, 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 we'll finish the game off. And I think it went to 11 or something like that. So we're up 8-1 or something ridiculous. They come back and beat us 13-11. Yeah. <laughs> so two o'clock in the morning, I go scrambling back into my bed and wake up at eight o'clock. 
come run the Queen City Marathon. <laughs> the next so morning. you're not who I'm going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I don't the know, second I just... one I trained better on, though. The second one, again, I did to 5K. Um, I have, I can show you the app. I have 5K and then I, there's a 10K app as well. And what I liked about the app and what I've used it for, I'm actually, that's, I'm kind of thrown off too because my daughter was asking about it and she's starting to use it, oh, nice. is I run it on my phone and it goes, okay, for the first week you want to run 30 seconds and walk for a minute and a half. Okay, that's the one I tried. I just yeah. couldn't get... The, and it'll say you're halfway, turn around and now start working these intervals back towards your house. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so all, all mine does is it says run, walk, run, walk, run, walk, like however mm-hmm. long the intervals are. And then, yeah, as you get week two, week three, week four, week five, week six, it gets kind of further down the road of now you're running for Less 10 minutes and you're walking for two. Okay. And then to do the, to get to the final part of it, to get to 20K, um, I had bought like a gym membership at that, what the hell's up, uh, Planet Fitness or whatever yeah. it was. And it worked out not bad because they were cheap and that you could go in and it was like 10 or 20 bucks a month and you would get a trainer and the trainer would say, okay, this is what I want you to do for the next two weeks or three weeks or a month or whatever. And then you could at least build some muscle and a little bit of stamina that way. Okay. So I found a training schedule and basically on the training schedule, it would say, okay, I want you to run 8K on, well, Monday's a rest day. You run 8K on Tuesday. Wednesday is do something else, like a cross-training day. Um, Thursday, go off and run another 8K. Friday, take a rest day. Saturday, take a cross-training day. And then Sunday, run your big run. So if you're running 8K, you might be running 12K on the Sunday. And then you go back to the next Hmm. week. And then the next week might be 9, 9, and 14. And you're... Sundays where these are your big runs that you're doing. So my first run, I was, I mean, I was just happy I finished the bloody thing because one, it was the night after drinking and two, it was my first run I ever did. And then the second run, I tried to get it under two and I, it really is me. I know there is no such thing as karma. I'm just kind of stupid most of the time. The stupid thing I did with the second run was I looked at the wrong time. I showed up 20 minutes late half hour late for the 20k so did you forest gump it and just boot it yep (laughs) (laughs) and you want to know the most like want to pump you up going off and running start 20 minutes or a half hour late to everybody else after about the first k k and a half i started to catch up to the people that were in the back and then by the end of it but were they on those like they might have been on walkers i'm not too sure (laughs) (laughs) i only kicked out one um and then i mean i think it said in it I passed something like 650 people or something stupid but I started a half hour late so it's kind of to be expected right and it was a little frustrating in that you're trying to get around these people that are I mean they're running their pace they're doing exactly what they need to do and nothing against them it was my own stupidity for being late but again you're trying to get around all these people and it's like you're this little freaking go-kart and everybody else is kind of slowly walking you're just flying by everybody and at the end of it i mean it's nice that the great thing about the way they have those things set up is they have the chip on your bib right cool so you start it and it tracks just you and only you so Hmm. i knew what my time was to go through the whole thing and i did it i think like in an hour 56 hour 57 so to do it in under two hours that was my goal i wanted to finish it be under two hours i was happy and then after that, I just totally putzed out and kind of ran a little bit. And now I got to start running again to build myself back up. 
but yeah i mean i just found a excel sheet on the internet and it went okay here's how you kind of build up and eventually hmm. you just kind of figure out okay in regina um the west side of wascana is like four or five kilometers is four kilometers the east side of broad street for wascana is six kilometers the posts are pretty good for marketing i think too yeah yeah they, yeah it gives you decent kind of maps and then as well like i found another app that was called map my run so what map my run does is i run both apps at the same time and i'm cheap they're i think i bought the one and the other one's free um i should pay for it um but um the map my run was really good because what it does is it tracked how fast i was running so I knew, like I could go off and throw into an Excel sheet of, okay, well, I ran an average of seven kilometers an hour. So in order to get myself to be under that two hour mark at 21K, I need to be running at like 10 and a half kilometers an hour just to hit okay. the two hour part. So at least I can math out a little bit what I want to get to. So then later, like, yeah, you'd get into a point of, okay, well, it wants you to do that stupid Excel sheet. It would say, okay, we I want you to do hills. Well, instead of because there's only one hill in Regina, instead of doing hills, I would do sprints. So for a five minute time gap, I would sprint for thirty seconds, jog for a minute, take a thirty minute walk, or sorry, thirty seconds of sprinting, a minute of jogging, and then a thirty second um, walk, and then again a thirty second sprint. So you'd kind of build yourself and your speed up a little bit that way. And even, I mean, again, you kind of know some people and see who else does running themselves and. How did you do it? What do you do? Again, the internet, YouTube, all that kind of crap. Like, we're in an information age. You can find out whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. So, I remember when I tried out for the U of R basketball team, <clears throat> one of the practices was like, okay, we're going to jog around out to the hill mm-hmm. and do wind sprints. And I kind of like found my way out of it, <laughs> <laughs> which may have ultimately led to me finding my way out of the running. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you just build up. It's like anything else. You build up. And it's the same as this, right? You slowly build up. Okay, well, this is the pieces I need to have along with it. I can have a decent conversation with this guy. Do it the easy way the first time and then kind of make it a little more difficult and talking to the eighth person as a schlep the, that time. Yeah, and like getting the right equipment to yeah. meant the world. Like it was so weird ordering like these things, but they actually do matter, right? Yeah. Like there's like a yeah, at the very beginning of when I was talking with Trevor, he's like, yeah, they cut down on the, like the sound oh, okay, that ever, okay. like the hard it takes all consonant the spit sounds. Out of kind of yeah. Thing. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And keep spit out of the microphone yeah, <laughs> for the drooling times. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not w- sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the running, do you find it easier in a group? Cause I always did. I, I like running on my own for the training in the group. It pushes. I, yeah, I guess you're I less likely to you. quit if there's people watching you. Yeah. There was that. I just, I don't know. I found it a little annoying because I'm trying to go around people. Okay, but you don't. But that was that you've never like run, just though, jogged with someone like I have. But or well, the pace is kind of ruined. Things. That's that's the problem I have with trying to run with somebody. So when I went, I don't know. This is bad. Two weeks ago, I went out running with my daughter, and then now I've just run again. So I had a two week sprawl of not doing anything, which is stupid. But so I went out with my daughter one morning, and she's like, "Oh, I want to go for a run." I said, "I'll come with you." And I said, this is my only rule. You run at your pace. And the reason why you run at your pace is because you can't challenge anybody else like you're going to challenge yourself when you're running this. And realistically, my daughter's not extremely short by any means, but I have eight, nine, ten inches on her. So I'm going to have 
the length of legs to kind of get past her. I'm a guy. She's a girl. Yeah. There's going to be that little bit of muscle kind of thing that's going to give me some, give me a little bit of an extra push too that she's not going to have. And when you run at somebody else's pace, you probably are more likely to end up injuring yourself as well because you're trying to either hold yourself back or you're pushing yourself harder. If you can find, like, I have talked to other people and they said, like, if you can find somebody that runs at your pace, it's awesome. Because then at least you guys can kind of push yourself a little bit, right? Yeah. That one person kind of creeps up a little bit more, so you got to push yourself a little bit. Well, now that you've pushed yourself, you're probably still going to push yourself a little longer. And now that other person has to catch up to you. So all you're doing is you're leapfrogging each other. Yeah. But that's gonna what's gonna that's what's gonna push you a lot better. I don't know. I I look at going into like there's the running room in town here, and going and running with them at least. And I'm sure I could. I'll probably end up finding somebody that's kind of running my speed. But I don't know. I just find life right now is it's nice that, okay, I want to run at well, six o'clock in the morning didn't happen today. But if I want to run at six o'clock in the morning, I can. If I want to like today, what I did was I came home, went, yeah, push, get, kick your ass, go and push. So put my stuff on, put the headphones on, put the couple apps on and away you go and you run for 25 minutes, half an hour. And then at least I know, well, I'm not waiting to run until seven o'clock and something prevents me from doing it and then the other thing I found too that I I like doing was I liked running before I ate because if I ate I felt way worse or I felt sick or it slowed me down or whatever else and even like I did crawl for a couple of years there oh, right. and that kicked my ass that's you want to find out if you can do something that was one thing that was that I enjoyed a lot what age did you dive in on it though on Krav? Yeah. Uh, I would have been 32. Okay, that's not too bad then. 31, 32, 33, somewhere on there. I got to think. what. No, I would have been older than that. I might have been 34, 30. Oh, what the hell? I got to think. 2, 3, 4. Yeah, I might have been 34, 35. Somewhere in there. And that, what that kicked my ass on was, it was, well, the, I mean, the day-to-day, day in, day out, right? Like you were there two, three days a week. Same thing as doing the jogging, right? You're there three days a week. You kind of can get a bit of a fitness level to it. Is that the Israeli jiu-jitsu? Yeah. Or the Israeli martial arts? The Israeli martial arts. That basically just steals from anybody and everybody and then uses as a self-defense. And it's more like just a, I don't know, to me, like a street kind of idea. It's I a very, know. yeah, it's not like a pretty martial art, no, like karate no, or... No, no. but I hear it's very blunt and like... But it seems well, the most practical. Like if someone goes to mug you, you're going to fuck them up with it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, rule number one was run. Which it is, wasn't stand there and kick the board or do a flying back kick like or do the fucking crane like Danielson. Like you're there to <laughs> you're there to actually defend yourself, right? And it I mean later he started to play a lot more with these flying spinning kicks and whatever else, because you're now at level three and you've been doing it for maybe a couple of years and you want to do something a little more fun. But realistically, I mean it was I remember Simpsons they had it on there. And that was what I felt like it was. It was no need to the groin, no Krav Maga, because that's what you're doing. You just want to take somebody out, defend yourself, and get get the hell away because you don't want them coming at you again. And it, it was, I don't know. To me, what I liked about it for myself personally was it made me, give me some self-confidence I could sort of defend myself. I mean, I'm not going out and ever looking for a fight anyways. I've never been that guy. I don't. I know I'm going to get my ass kicked probably nine times out of ten. We are totally getting you an evening with Larry now. <laughs> <laughs> Phoning him right after this. But yeah, I mean, at least I knew if I really had to, 
this is the stuff that I needed to do. This is the really basic stuff that I need to get another heavy bag so at least I can start just doing straight punches. It was nice to just do straight knees. It was nice to know that here's your, still your basic elbows kind of thing. And it's not wrong to try and take somebody out as brutally as you can because realistically, <clears throat> somebody's coming at you with a knife or whatever else, you don't want to screw around with it because you're going to get hurt and it's going to hurt like hell. I don't know. and But back to what I liked about it too and what it pushed me on was you'd go off and you'd do these training pieces of okay here's three times a week you're there you're pushing 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 and he'd kick your ass kind of through that whole thing but in order to get from level one to level two it was a three hour thing so for three hours you're punching a bag you're getting choked out you're kneeing you're kicking you're doing whatever and by all means you get little breaks here and there but he would always just scream at you through most of it anyways and going well this is not a marathon you're not slowly jogging through this thing and gonna make it I want you to push the crap out of yourself right now for the next three hours because I need you need to find out where your breaking point is. And knowing that you're not going to totally wig out if somebody does try and come at you. And like some of the nights were just off and would, would confuse you because you'd have, okay, here's you and three other guys. And you would just rotate on who would do what. Well, you were the person that would attack and everybody else would attack you. So one guy would have a punching bag, one guy would have a kicking bag, and the other guy would come up for me from wherever and choke you out. And they would run around the room. Well, now you got 20 or 30 people in the room running all over the place, and you got to find your next guy to go to. And while he's doing this, the dude's like blaring whatever music he can find, and he's turning the lights on and off through the whole bit. So here's a highly stressful situation. And I mean, you know you're not going to get hurt because everybody's in there. There's incidental contact. And nobody really wants to hurt the other person, but shit happens, right? Like there's always little incidental contact when it comes to it. And you know what's going to, somebody comes in and chokes you and you're thinking you're not choking them really hard, but that person's wigging out because they're not used to that level of kind of intensity. And you're kind of lifting yourself up and up and up. And I know I had a couple, I can remember one time, I mean, it wasn't intentional or anything, but one girl being like pissed at me because I kicked the bag a couple times a little too hard. And I'm going in my head, okay, now I get it. I mean, you're, I'm running around 180, 200, and you're running around 120. There's a lot of force. There's a lot of force that's behind this. But then on the other hand, I saw it too, and it was interesting because the girl that got me into it, she's freaking tough as nails, and she would kick the pad, and I'd be more scared about her than the guys that were the same size as me because she knew how to fucking do it. And then I would go out to my daughter's Taekwondo thing and the black belt that's out there, you'd hold the pad for her if you're doing some exercise classes. And she would intentionally sometimes pick me to hang on to the damn bag. Actually, you know her, Alyssa Duck. Yep. Um, she would pick on me sometimes. Oh, she was insane when in, we worked at BPs. She's scary. Yeah. She's down. She's one of the scariest people out there. She's nice and sweet as pie. But I mean, I wouldn't want to screw with her because she would take you out. No problem. Wouldn't blink twice and it'd be done. Like, well, she was insane, and that was like 2000, 2001 when yeah. I was at BPs. Yeah, she was one of the lounge waitresses with my ex-wife. Yeah, oh and yeah, the, and but yeah, she's sweet and she's chatting it up with everybody and like bubbly and yeah. amazing like attitude. But and most people did know that she would fuck you up. <laughs> She'd fuck you up hard and really quickly because I, the one I remember was I was standing there one day, and they were doing um. 
so to, to have fun with the kids they go off and they break boards and that would be kind of their last night right so they have she has this kind of contraption that you'd put a little i don't know what that would be a three quarter a half inch kind of piece of plywood into it and for the younger kids i hate to say it but for the younger kids like a dad would go out and like saw a little bit of a notch into it just so that <laughs> little Timmy that's three years old could actually break the board or five years old. Like more you, than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kind of get why they're doing it. But her, like I remember holding one day for her and they're like, okay, Mrs. Doc, blah, blah, blah. Let's see how you can break boards and you put two on there and see how it goes. And I'm standing there and I'm hanging on to the thing. The other dad's hanging on to the thing and we're like, okay, are you? And then she's already broken the board. Like it was just bang. I'm like okay, Sand, <laughs> and sanded it and built a new house exactly. out of it. <laughs> yeah, I remember because there was two of them. There was a manager and there was her at BPs, and they were both into the martial arts. But I just always remember hearing like, even at that point, like she how high end she was. Yeah, yeah, and just like lethal, right? Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like she's, you'd never know it. You'd never know it, but oh no, yeah, totally. She would yeah. just totally kick your ass, kind of thing. That's, and even I got thrown off too because the girl I'm seeing right now, she's the same thing. She went to. I guess Japan and stuff and did some karate whatever else and I have like an old bag from Krav and I'm like okay one day bugging her joking about whatever and I hang on to the damn thing and she's like snap 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 and I'm like okay <laughs> no kicks to the groin we'll just try and keep that out of the <laughs> out of the loop it might hurt <laughs> any future disagreements have now been solved <laughs> exactly. I need to keep running so I can run quicker away from her <laughs> Yeah, and there's even one woman in my building. She's like tiny, and she's crab yeah. also, yeah. and it's just like. But it's the same same boat with Larry too, right? Larry's very unassuming. Oh yeah, but he's he, nice. Fuck as... your shit up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Real fast. But he's also smart enough to know that it's a last resort, right? Yes. Like yeah. Yeah. his ability to talk it down, I think, is is super high, uh-huh. and that's where half of his good stories come from, right? It's just like we're trying to talk you down. We're trying to talk you down. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, you're unconscious. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I like the roundabout on Larry. Let's end it there. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Start with Kaderma and end with Kaderma. Sorry, Mr. Kaderma. Please don't <laughs> kill me. <laughs> oh, bye.